Welcome to our podcast, Transparently Speaking. I am Diana, and I have a son who transitioned at a young age to become his true self. And I am Joy. I have also supported my daughter to transition at an early age. We are here to share our experience and our learning along this journey. We want to provide support and guidance parent to parent. And if you find yourself on a similar journey, we want you to know that you are not alone. So let's dive in, transparently speaking. All right, this episode is being recorded for July. Holy cow, summer is flying by and we have updates for all of you. I know, Diana, that you shared, we received an email from a listener and we'd like to respond to that email. It was about Clark. Can you give us the update? Yes. In the um, June 15th episode, I had talked about how I think Clark didn't like school anymore and didn't want to go to college. And a very kind listener took the time and I'm very appreciative of responding to it to make sure that Clark knew college is very different than high school. You find your people, it's totally different. And a lot of great information, really appreciated it. And I wanted to respond to it. And so we have definitely given that message to Clark that college is very different than high school. And he understands that. And I appreciate it. And I've been a part of a lot of trans families, communities through the last 10 years. So I have seen all the lists of colleges that are very open and considerate. And I know they're there. And for where he is and what he wants to do right now, it makes sense to not go to college. Although what's funny is we've taken the pressure off of that. Like, okay, if you want to play guitar and be a musician, like go for it. I've heard a little inklings, like if he doesn't get into the music school he wants, and that's for an associate degree, just to learn the music, that he's starting to play around with the ideas of other colleges. So yes, the other thing the listener wrote, and I really appreciate college is not for everyone. And I think that's true. Like if he goes for this associate degree, he does have the option to get a bachelor's degree, but I think he will start living the life he wants and he'll know what he needs. Like not everybody needs a college degree based on what they are going to do. And I think the listener's point is a really good one for everyone that college is different than high school. There are a lot of amazing communities within different colleges and universities, and it's worth researching. And I think he needs a break. (laughs) Just a break from (laughs) like academics? Yes. Yes. And who knows? His senior year looks like it's going to be a little bit lighter. So maybe at the end of it, he'll feel differently. I don't know. I trust him. He's got a really good head on his shoulders. So he knows what he needs. Okay. And you and I were just chatting. Samantha has her next endocrine appointment next, actually not next week, the week after that, the week after 4th of July. And I was asking for an update to learn a little bit as I prepare for that appointment, because you just shared that Clark just had an appointment and had, I believe you said his fourth blocker placed. Mm -hmm. That's correct. All right. So do share. I'm sure you have great insights for our listeners about that experience or what we should all keep in mind if we're supporting our kids to go through these updates. Yeah. So just to explain, Clark was the first one in that surgeon's office to do it in the office. My understanding is that before it had been done in the operating room. And so he's the first one. So he's the first one to get the fourth one (laughs) in the office as well. And they're an amazing team. 
The first one, the surgeon did because it was the first one. The second one, the nurse practitioner did or physician's assistant. Actually, I don't remember. I wasn't there. My husband, Arthur, was there. And Arthur just described like a lot of struggle in removing it. It was all removed. And so for the third one, I asked for the surgeon to return because of a bit of the anxiety and making the point, this is the first one. And there was a lot of struggle and knowing as my own surgical background, each one's going to get a little bit more complicated because there's going to be more scar tissue like there. So he did the third one, no problem. And I guess after that conversation, he decided to do the fourth one. (laughs) It sounds like everything went pretty well with the removal. Yes, absolutely. And Clark is 17. This will be his last one. Insurance doesn't cover after 18, any sort of puberty blocker. And there was a doctor in Seattle, Dr. Hatfield, that does a lot of these, has a lot of patients, does a lot of gender-affirming care. And I heard him give a lecture one time that he likes to do it right before the 18th birthday, get it in. But part of the reason he knows a lot of those kids may be going to college or at least leaving home And that kind of transition in life of beginning to be responsible for yourself, if you are not living in a place where somebody is giving guidance, they're more likely to forget their medication. And so he viewed it as just like an extra security blanket to have the blocker there during that, what for many, not everyone, but for many is a year of transition where they leave the home. So as just a quick loop back on that, for my own understanding and to bring our listeners along, I know initially when we went through the first blocker placement, there was conversation about how long we leave the blockers in place. And I think there hadn't yet been a ton of research about this. However, there was research to show that it can stay in and be effective for a number of years. However, the challenge over time is that it becomes more difficult to remove. Is that also your understanding, Diana? Yeah. And again, I wouldn't say there's no research, but I don't think there's a consensus or a lot of focus because like I said, this type of delivery of medication has been done for years. In general, we know bodies scar over foreign objects. So that's a known concept. So the the idea is the more time you leave it, the more likely you are to create scar tissue, the harder it is to remove. And that's a theory I've talked to different providers, Dr. Hatfield, who I mentioned back when he gave the talk, which was a few years ago. So I don't know what the past years have changed his opinion or not. But back then he said he would give it three to four years. The kind of less known is like, how long will it be effective in suppressing to the degree we want to suppress? But he would leave it in three to four years, making sure that everything stayed suppressed. Whereas I had another doctor who takes care of tons of kids, say two years. And with the idea of scar tissue, they didn't find between one and two years was a big difference, but two years they felt. And where we are, again, Clark's the first one. So most of us have been a year because of COVID. That one went the longest, I think a little over two years. That one did. And he was levels remained suppressed. So it was working. And so that was the concern, but that was not a scar tissue was not an issue on that one. Scar tissue was an issue on this one and it was a year. So there's a lot of factors. We assume how long, but we also assume how many times you've done it. Just like some retired OBGYN, if we did a C-section, C-section number one is very different than C-section number four because of the scar tissue, 
right? It doesn't have to do with, there's nothing in there so long. It's more of an issue that you've gone in that same place over and over again. And that area keeps healing and healing. Yeah. That's so interesting. Cause that makes me wonder back to navigating risks or pros and cons. Why wouldn't we just leave it in longer then again, reducing the number of times that we'd be replacing it, the number of scar tissue experiences, all of that. Samantha had hers, I think we pushed based on insights from our conversations to have it remain in for about two years. And that the response I got was because that was a difficult removal, then they're like, okay, moving forward, we're going to do it every year. (laughs) So I'll be really curious, you know, we go in in about two weeks to have the conversation of it will be, it is the time to have it replaced if we're going to push for that one year, but maybe they'll let us go a little longer. I'm not sure. And I don't know if I have a perspective on which way I'd like it to go. I think the big risk of pushing too far is I do think like, again, I relate it to like doing C-sections. So once I could do the second C-section on somebody and some were easy peasy, and that's probably because of the way they healed and other people were very difficult. And then we'd have a much bigger conversation about what this will be like next time. So when I hear like one was really difficult scarring where Clark never had difficulty with scarring, I would hesitate to push (laughs) longer. And some of it is the provider's comfort level. Like even I'm telling you like once three to four years, one's like absolutely not after two years, who knows, right? But they're strong. And so the risk you have is like, well, then I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah. Ensuring that we have support for whatever the the approach is. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. Well, we definitely had, to your point, I don't remember what her title was, a nurse practitioner or a physician's assistant execute it. We've only had that one removal and replacement so far. So I'll be curious too how they're navigating that in terms of as these individuals undoubtedly get more experience too, right? They're gaining more competence and I know that it's just happening more often given, again, the open conversations and the visibility and the support that's currently available in our communities now. So it's all good. (laughs) Now, I've been asked a lot, Joy, about an update on you. I had somebody ask if you've moved. So we have closed on the new house and we've begun to move. We actually took an initial like shipment of stuff, which was like, as we were clearing out our home to get it ready for sale. For those of you who've gone through this process, I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about. We have lived in that house for 14 years and ended up filling three quarters of our garage with stuff that in order to make our house look nice and spacious and clean and ready for the sale process. So we had that first shipment already shipped here. We haven't formally moved out of the home yet, but we are hoping to do that in the next week or two. We're trying to nail down a date today, actually, although I am recording today in the new house. So yeah, it's exciting. And Hugh and I continue to flip back and forth between grief and sadness of needing to leave and excitement for what's to come in a new community. I didn't realize you'd been in that house 14 years. Yeah. So we brought, um, we moved there when we discovered we were having twins because we lived in the city and didn't have a garage and a driveway. And that just wasn't going to work right with uh, where we live in the Midwest here. We have winter. And so there's alternate street parking in the cities and we could be blocked, parked like three blocks away. And what do I do? Leave one baby in the house while I go take the (laughs) the car. Oh my goodness. I never thought about that with twins. (laughs) 
Exactly. So we sat after that first ultrasound and discovered we had were having twins. We sat in the like waiting room, like, oh my God, we're having twins. What does that mean? Our life changed dramatically. We're like, we have to move. We're gonna have to ask for help. So yeah, so we are suckers for old houses. At that moment in time, we went online, started looking for houses, fell in love with our house, which is in a beautiful historic neighborhood. And we've done a lot of work on it to make it the perfect house for us. So it makes us sad to leave. So grateful for you sharing. I know a lot of families are dealing with this. Some moving states, just people having to move for their kids being themselves, for having the courage and the beauty of living their true selves. This is the effect for those that think, what's the big deal? Or, you know, I think sometimes when people don't have a face to it, they don't quite understand it. And like, this is what it's doing. This is what all these laws and this misinformation and misconceptions, this is what it's doing to families. Yeah. So in the midst of all of it, it's been, it's been hard. And it's just, oof, for anybody who has moved recently, oh gosh, moving is not fun. I'd, I'd be <laughs> amazed if I knew anybody that said, oh, it's great. So we're excited to just have that done. Honestly, today is the inspection on the home that we're selling. And so hopefully everything goes through with flying colors and we can close as scheduled and get moved into our new house. Thank you for sharing that and thinking of you. Thank you. And I do have a positive update to share. Let's hear it. Soon after school wrapped up for the year, my daughter, Samantha, was invited over to a friend's and they were doing, they were just having a barbecue. And I'm hearing from Samantha. She's texting with her friend. Hey, you guys are invited too. And I was like, you guys who? Like our whole family? She's like, no, just the parents. <laughs> so she made it clear apparently that she didn't want her brothers to join us. <laughs> <laughs> and so I ended up sending a text just to confirm, hey, I heard that Hugh and I might be invited to join the barbecue. What time is it at? Would love to join. We're just in the midst of doing some packing and cleanup, but thank you for the invite. We'll try to make it. And so what ended up happening was Hugh was not up for it. He just needed a night kind of to veg out in front of the TV after we had worked very diligently that day and kind of cleaning up and getting things ready to prep the house for showing and getting on the market. But I really needed social interaction. So... I was excited to go. So I went and joined dinner. We all were sitting. We all, sorry, not everyone. All of the girls had gone off to the high school girls, went off somewhere with friends. And our middle school girls, my daughter Samantha and her friend were off somewhere just hanging out. I went to the fire with her friend's parents and their older daughter. So it was four of us sitting there and we were just kind of chatting in general. And the subject, the opportunity presented itself. I felt the opportunity presented itself for me to have this conversation about being transgender. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. How did it present itself? I'm curious. We were talking about us moving. And I said, the school board, unfortunately, with what's been happening come January, when they wrote up the parental transparency and some of these other crazy rules about 
clothing attire required and things, I said, it didn't feel very supportive for our family. And they made a comment about how conservative the school board was becoming and how they have observed that as well. And so it started a conversation around sort of the politicization of education and how it just didn't feel like they're really focused on education for our kids. And there were a couple other, I'm trying to remember exactly what the conversation was, but they made a couple other comments that indicated to me they were perhaps more liberal leaning than I had had thought they were. So it felt like a safe space to dip that toe in the water. And so I dipped that toe in the water talking a little bit about some of the politics. And I think I just brought up the concept of, I'm trying to remember if I brought up the concept in general of transgender. I said, well, transgender stuff's really in the news. And I think what's happening is really harmful for these kids. And they sort of responded with, yeah, I've been hearing about that and sort of surprised about how that's showing up. And so I used that opening that felt like a doorway to say, I don't know if you guys know, but Samantha is transgender. And the initial response from the mom was, you know, my daughter, I remember her coming back from 4K and saying, Sammy is now Samantha. Mm -hmm. And she said, and in the moment, I was just like, oh, okay. And I didn't really think anything of it. And she was like, I'm trying to remember. She she and her husband both made some comment about, well, we're really supportive of you and Samantha and feel honored that you brought us into your confidence in sharing this. Wow. And we had just a beautiful conversation. The older daughter was sitting there and her initial reaction was, well, she's always just been Samantha. <laughs> well, how old? She's a, like a junior in high school. Okay, teens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, teen. And so honestly, I was shocked and relieved and undoubtedly, you know, was, I think as I was sharing the experience or disclosing Samantha, I think mm-hmm. I, was, I was crying a bit in the moment and they were just so kind and warm and said, oh, well, this, you know, I, I made some comment like, well, I hope it doesn't. You know, I, I wasn't sure if you knew, I said, because your daughter knows. And has known. And how did you know she knew? How did I know that Samantha's best friend knew? Yes. Because Samantha has told me. Okay. It's a conversation amongst them. Her best friend has said, like, in sometime in the last year, has said something like, Oh, I, sometimes I just forget that you're transgender. Got it. Yeah. So she's known. I don't think it's a topic of conversation. Again, like, Samantha doesn't really identify that way. She doesn't want to talk about. It, but I think every once in a while, probably it it might come up in a situation like that where a friend would say it. I'm curious, how did you feel right before that came out of your mouth? Oh, I was so, so nervous. I was so nervous. I was like, well, here it is. Here's like, we had talked about what are the tells, dipping the toe in the water. How do I know? And I'd been wanting for so long, as we've talked about, I've been wanting for so long to share it from a both a perspective of uncovering or discovering who's supportive and who's not. And also just having more people that know, feeling like I'm not keeping something about both my identity 
really it's about me. Like keeping something about my identity is important to me from other people. And how did you feel after they said all those things? Oh my gosh, so relieved. And why? What about the things that they said make you feel, made you feel relieved? Yeah. First and foremost, I was just relieved that the friendship these girls have had wasn't going to be in jeopardy because I was concerned if they weren't supportive, might they limit that friendship? You know, might basically our move end the friendship? Sure. Because it's going to take an effort for us to get the girls together, right? They're not going to see each other in school anymore or every day and things like that. So that was the big relief. And we had conversation about, oh, well, I hope we can make efforts. We'd love to have, you know, your daughter join us at our cabin still on weekends. And this summer they're going to a couple camps together. And so there was some risk in my mind of, ooh, what might even happen, right? Might I be even destroying this friendship potentially if they were not supportive? So it was huge relief, huge, huge relief. And for our listeners, what about their response do you think was, like, did you appreciate the most? I think I was surprised. Like, I was kind of expecting some version of non-support or lack of understanding or something being really evident, like that they were going to need to move past it. I think I'd shared a different friend was preparing me for kind of like the emotional reaction that might come up and not be very kind reaction. Right. That the first response. Yep. I remember that. Yeah. And so I was preparing myself for that and that didn't happen. And so I don't know whether or not in the back of, for instance, the mom's mind, like she might've known just the fact that her initial reaction was, Oh, well, I remember my daughter saying, you know, back in 4k. And the first thought I had is, Oh my God, if I remembered anything from 4k, I think I'd, I'd be amazing. I remember it happened. That's it. <laughs> I think if I calculated, I can tell you what year it was. <laughs> but I don't think it was the way they responded also made me imagine that they didn't really know that this was sharing something that was news to them that their daughter hadn't told them, but that they were totally supportive. So after that, you know, we were probably chatting for a little bit about that and they were just so very kind and they were, we were just talking in general about how difficult the world can be when people get really polarized on things. And they were just, it was a very lovely, kind conversation and left me again, very hopeful and excited for these two girls to have an amazing friendship, hopefully forevermore. Um, and we'll see, because we know how girl friendships can go sometimes. Any friendships, my friend. <laughs> I don't know if that's gender specific, but go ahead. Fair enough. Fair enough. I only know about my girl friendships being maybe a little more storied than male friendships. I got in the car and I said to Samantha, so I told her parents and her reaction was, what? You did? She was like, what did they say? And I said, they were very supportive. She's like, really? And she said, oh my gosh, my friend is going to be so surprised. <laughs> and I was like, really? You think so? She's like, yeah, she didn't think they were going to be supportive. She wasn't sure how they would react. And so she ended up sending a text message. So apparently a big part of communication for our youth these days is not verbal. It happens through <laughs> messaging. Because I just went before we hopped on for this recording, I just went and asked her, what was the reaction 
And her friend simply responded, oh, okay, good. I'm so glad. Do you think you would have done that if Samantha's best friend did not know? No, I think that's a really good question. I wouldn't have because there's another parent, a set of parents that we would love to tell, but Samantha hasn't told her friend, hasn't told these parents' daughter. And so that's this other kind of journey of how do we continue having conversations with Samantha? And I don't know, right? So far, we've continued to let her lead the way in deciding who knows Mm -hmm. and who doesn't. And sometimes that's challenging because there is another family we'd like to tell, but her daughter doesn't know. And that I think would be awkward and bad. And no, I think we'd need Samantha on board first with. Yes. Cause I will often assume parents will tell their kids. I want to say one thing about what I was impressed with, with the parents response. It wasn't just the words like I, we support you, but the fact that they thanked you for bringing them into your circle of confidence demonstrates they get the magnitude of what you had just done. So it demonstrated to me they had a greater level of understanding than just saying, I support you. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think that did bring, and that that happened sort of over the conversation, right? Over probably about five or 10 minutes and chatting and it was near the tail end. It wasn't like the first thing they said, but yes, I agree with you. I think that reflected in the moment that they understood the magnitude of what I was sharing. Yeah, so Ending on a high note. So good news there. Yes. More to come. More to come. That's a wrap on this episode of Transparently Speaking. Thanks for joining us today. Join us again on the 1st and 15th of every month for our next podcast. Thank you to Filter for our awesome music. That's P-H-I-L-T-Y-R. Check them out at Apple Music, YouTube Music, Spotify, or anywhere you download music. As a reminder, we welcome your feedback and questions. Email us anytime at transparentlyspeakingpodcast at gmail.com. If you're taking something away from our podcast, we'd appreciate if you'd take a moment to provide us a review. The more listeners and reviews, the more people we can reach and support. Thanks in advance. Cheers from Joy and Diana. Mm-hmm.